Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. A Winnipeg teen is going to the youth Olympic Winter Games in Switzerland next January. Curler Jaden Newark joins me in studio. Also, are the Flames going down in flames? What's going on with Calgary? They're down 3-1 in their series. Pat Steinberg from Fan 960 in Calgary will tell me if there's any hope of a comeback. Also, bat flipping in baseball. Why do we still have a problem with it? What's wrong with it? Dive into that on the podcast. What got you started in curling? Uh, my dad just put me in the same hotel junior league, and it just kind of stuck there. Okay. And uh, what was it, I guess, about it at first that you liked about it? I don't know. <laughs> just they kind of, it was either this or kind of soccer for me when I was younger. Well, they don't, they don't you know, really overlap, though. No, so but I really like curling when I kind of got older, so I dropped soccer and I continued with curling. What position do you play now? I am third. Have you always been third? No, I used to uh, skip before, and then a couple of years ago I switched. Okay. What was that transition like for you? Uh, it wasn't that big, big of a difference for me because I, I, I always loved to sweep, so it wasn't that big of a deal. It was more just kind of getting a little better cardio mm-hmm. since skip you're in the house all the time you're still calling line for the skip so yep. you're used to that but i guess it's just the the physical sweep in the first four stones that you gotta <laughs> yes yeah but it's it's a good workout right yeah so uh do you have you curled out of saint fatale about your whole career yep. your whole life yes okay what's it like curling there uh it's absolutely amazing they got a great junior league just I don't know. Everything is really good about it. And really good ice. And too. the history there, obviously, with Jennifer Jones being out of that club. Yeah, that's helps too. Have you ever bumped into them? Uh, I've seen Caitlin. I haven't really seen Jennifer that much. I've seen more of the other three: Caitlin, Jill, and uh, Dawn. Dawn. But I haven't really seen Jennifer. Well, she lives in Ontario now, so that, yeah. that's probably the main reason why. But uh, so. To get the uh, to get the nod to go to the the Youth Olympic Games, did you have to put your hat in the ring, or were you just picked by this uh, by the Curling Canada? So with my team being able to having the chance to represent Manitoba at the U18s, uh, there was a possibility that I could put an application in for the Youth Olympics. So I decided to, you know, just why not? It's uh, worth an opportunity. So while you're there, they're just kind of watching you and seeing like how you perform and your attitude on the ice and stuff like that. So my mom told me just go there, have fun, talk to everyone. And I guess it helped. Yeah. When you put that application in, did you like really want it or was it kind of just, ah, might as well. And then kind of forget about it. Uh, it was kind of both. It was kind of like, I'll try, you know, just worth a shot. Cause also Canada games, people were also involved in that, but I also kind of wanted just for the chance to represent Canada is absolute amazing experience and well obviously (laughs) (laughs) so it's next year what do you have to get prepared before you go uh so i gotta get my school schedule fixed up for this obviously because i'll be missing a lot of school right so well i just got to train a lot and in august 16th to 18th we're in toronto to kind of meet each other do some training with each other and then the week after we're in St. John's, 
for more training. And then October, sometimes we're doing a bond spiel that hasn't been set yet. And then Edmonton in late November, we're doing training there for mixed doubles because after the mixed part is done, we get to do mixed doubles okay. with someone from a different country. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And have you ever been to Switzerland before? I've never been to Europe. Okay. <laughs> uh, I know you go to College de Sauvé. How's your French? C'est excellent. Okay, good. So you'll be fine. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, the, one of the interesting parts of this, as you mentioned, is you're, it's not like your team is going there. Yeah. You're playing with three people that you've never played with before. What's that going to be like? I don't know. It'll probably be similar to how my team got started. Just put people together and just see how it goes. I guess, if, yeah, eventually at some point, every team starts off kind of being strangers a little bit on the ice. Yeah. So you... You've you've met a couple of the people before. Uh, I I know some. Of, I know the two girls from U18s. Okay. Nathan Young, who's from Newfoundland, I don't know, but I'll obviously get to know him. Yeah. And you're from four four people from four different parts of the country, right? Uh yeah. So Lauren, that's a girl. She's from Northern Ontario, and then Emily, that's the other one. She's from Ontario. Okay. So. And then Manitoba, and, Newfoundland. Yep. Interesting that uh, the four of you end up together and you're going to have this this crazy experience in Switzerland in, in January. Yeah. So the Youth Olympic Games this is something probably a lot of people don't know a whole lot about because, you know, we, we love the Olympics, but a lot of these side events maybe we don't know. Is it kind of just like a, a mini Olympics? Yeah, it's a, I would say yes. It's a mini Olympics just for the younger people, so like the teenagers. Is it under 18? I, I don't know. I know the curling's like under 17, okay. under 18. Okay. I don't know. Uh, the other sports, it might be under 20. Okay. And what are the, are the, like all the events we're familiar with from the Olympics, like all the skiing and figure skating, all that kind of stuff? I'm pretty sure. There's definitely will be hockey. And hockey. Yes, of course. So you're going to be able to watch some of the other stuff or are you going to be so busy curling? Uh, Hopefully we get to watch them. You yeah. know, I want to be able to cheer on Canada, mm-hmm. not just play for Canada, cheer right. on Canada. Now you mentioned you get to do mixed doubles too. Have you much experience in that? Uh, I have a little bit from State Vitale and some others from some from some camps, but it's not very much. It's not a lot. Did you like it? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> okay, it's fun because it is definitely a lot different. Yeah, yeah, it's it's extremely different. Okay, so finally, just you mentioned your schoolwork. This is smack dab in the middle of your grade 12 year. Yes. How is that going to affect your schoolwork? Uh, I'm going to miss uh, provincial exams. I'm going to miss, I won't miss the exams, but I'll miss some grade 11 stuff because I'm taking grade 11 chemistry next year. So I'm going to miss a lot of notes there. It's going to be difficult, but we'll, my family and I will fix up uh, our schedule, my schedule so it, it's not as hard in the first semester. If only you lived in Ontario and you could take that fifth year. Yeah. It's so much easier. <laughs> well, I wish you the best of luck. Thanks for coming in to, to talk to me. And uh, yeah, best of luck. Thank you. They are nervous in Calgary where the Flames are down three games to one to the Colorado Avalanche. And we bring in Pat Steinberg, who co-hosts Pinder and Steinberg on Fan 960 in Calgary. Uh, good evening, Pat. Welcome to CJOB. How is the mood in Calgary right now? Uh, I would uh, I would probably characterize the mood as 
somewhere between uh, disappointed and ready to trade everybody and <laughs> turn the whole thing to the ground. It's uh, th- this this city's not used to a front runner, um, and they had a front runner this year. The Flames were on top of the Western Conference for the better part of the entire season. Certainly from about mid-November on, they were the number one team in the Western Conference. So when you when you set expectations like they set, and when they ramped up excitement the way they did, and it was the second best regular season that the team has had in franchise history. That's going back to the early 70s in Atlanta. Uh, the only team that's ever been better regular season-wise is the 1988-89 team that won this franchise's only Stanley Cup. So yeah, the, the mood is not good. And the, the problem that I think a lot of people have is that not only are the Flames run into a, a, an Avalanche team playing the, the best hockey of their season, and I think everybody who cheers for the Flames and covers the Flames and watches the Flames understands that Avalanche have played their behinds off. They have been the better team, and they deserve to have a 3-1 series lead. But this is this is so opposite of the Flames team that everybody watched for the better part of the entire season. And they're they're playing, not only are they playing hockey that isn't the brand that got them to 50 regular season wins, they're playing hockey that doesn't even resemble anything close to it. I mean, they have given up. So just, just I'll throw this at you just for a, a piece of uh, empirical data to back that up. The Flames were the number one team in the NHL over 82 games in terms of shots against the 28.1. So four games against Colorado, they are 16 of 16 playoff teams allowing 43.3. So they're more than 15 shots per game higher. And in their last three games, they're at 49. Their last two games, they've done something they've never done in franchise history. And that is allow 50 shots in consecutive games. They've never done that regular season or playoffs. So uh, this team, this team looks completely different than the group that won 50 in the regular season. I think that's what's frustrating people the most is that not only are they down three, one, and not only have they had some disappointing performances, but they're not even playing hockey that they can be proud of. And they can say, yes, this is our brand of hockey. So I think that's why people are as upset as they are. And there's a, there's a pretty familiar script with this team. This is a, an organization that has had very little playoff success over the last 30 years. This is a core group of players that has done very poorly when adversity uh, hits them. And they have played right into that script again over the last three games. They've got an opportunity tomorrow night to try and maybe write a different chapter. And I think a lot of people are really hoping they do. At the same time, I don't know how much confidence there is that they don't go quietly into the night because that seems to be what this group has always done. Well, Mike Smith was a big question mark for this team. Uh, He was the man picked to start the postseason, even though his regular season numbers weren't as good as David Riddick. And here we are now through four games. He's really the reason why they've been able to be close in some of these games, as you mentioned, making so many saves and giving them a chance, certainly in game four. Game three was a write-off, but last night for sure, Mike Smith was the only reason they even had a chance to win that game. Yeah, game two and game four, they don't go to overtime if it's not for pretty heroic efforts from Mike Smith. He posts a shutout in game one where he had to be the best player on the ice and Still made, even though they lost 6-2 on Monday, on, on, uh, Monday, still made 50 saves because the Avalanche put 56 on net. So i, I got to be honest, 
Smith might be the biggest surprise of this entire season, uh, of this entire series, rather, because his season, you're right, was not one to write home about. And I would say for probably two-thirds of the season, he looked like the clear second-best goaltender in the organization, and he really reset and did a nice job of getting his game back in order. And from about mid-February until the end of the year, he was the better guy, and the Flames said, you know what, this is the guy who has played playoff hockey before, this is the veteran, this is the competitive guy, he gives him an edge with the, the, the work that he does handling the puck, and they said, we want this guy to start the, uh, to start the postseason for us. I thought he was going to be good. I thought he was going to give them a chance to win. I thought that he was going to be a passable playoff goaltender. From what I saw during the regular season, even what I saw during the second half of last season, I didn't see Mike Smith being the best player for the Flames in this series. I didn't see him turning into an elite, incredible level goaltender. That's exactly what he's been. So I give Smith all the credit in the world. He is a competitor. He had a chip on his shoulder and a big one coming into this series. He knew how much noise there was surrounding his year, and he knew himself how disappointed he was for most of his year. So I give him a lot of credit. He has done everything asked of him, and he's given the Flames an opportunity to win in every game minus game three, which you're right, was a, was a write-off. So I, we don't know who's starting tomorrow night, but I would imagine Mike Smith starts game five, and I would imagine that he gives them the same type of opportunity to win that he has in the first four games. So the easy answer to this question could just be everybody, but who needs to step up if Calgary is going to win this series? Well, the the biggest narrative and, and you know, doing the post game show last night and doing our post game calls and then doing our, our afternoon show today, the biggest the biggest topic is is no doubt that this team is not only getting hammered by Colorado's top players. Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog and Mikko Rantanen have been outstanding, and they've been the best skaters in this series. It's not only just that Calgary's having a tough time with Colorado's top forwards, but Calgary's top players are nowhere to be found. Right now, the heat that Sean Monaghan and Johnny Gaudreau are, are, are taking is as hot and as heavy as I can ever remember a Flames player getting hammered for their lack of production and their lack of performance. Right now, people are wondering if you can win with these guys. Right now, people are wondering if they have the personality and the ability to play at this time of year and for this organization because these are the two guys that kick-started their rebuild, and specifically Johnny Gaudreau, who has looked like a shadow of his regular season self this postseason. Now, this is the guy that you've built your team around in a lot of ways. 99 regular season points, 1.4 games, and he looks scared, he looks timid, and he looks like he's not ready to engage in what you need to do in postseason hockey. Sean Monaghan has looked like a dead controller when you're playing a, a video game more often than huh. not, and... and the amount of times that he's lost guys or has killed cycles offensively or has made bad reads is is countless at this point during the series. And he looks like he is off the pace. You're just not Michael Backlund and Matthew Kachuk and Mark Giordano. Mark Giordano had a Norris Trophy caliber season. I'm not saying that he's been bad, but he hasn't been a big-time impact maker during this series. He has not been anywhere near the level he played at. And one of the big questions, one of the huge narratives going into this season for the Flames and into the series specifically was, does this core group have the ability to get it done in the postseason time? Because when things get hard, you need to have a group that can stand up and, and face that down. Well, to this point, 
the answer to that question has been no. What I'm fascinated about with elimination now for the rest of this series facing Calgary, at least for one game, can the top players on this team step up and make a difference? Because they just haven't. Since game one, Backland and Kachuk have not made a difference. And through all four games, Monaghan and Gaudreau have not made a difference. And, and it's those two that I, I think are taking the, the biggest heat. And I think it's those two that will have the biggest spotlight on them for tomorrow night. They've got an opportunity. They've got a big-time opportunity to step up and do something on home ice. And at the very least, live the fight another game. Maybe plant a seed of doubt in Colorado, a seed that really hasn't gotten any water since game number one. So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens in game five. Well, when you ask who needs to do more, it's their top players because Sam Bennett and Garnet Hathaway and uh, Derek Ryan, these are depth players. They've done their job. They've held up their part of the bargain. Yusuf Valamaki, their first-round pick in 27, uh, 2017, made his playoff debut last night, was one of their best defensemen. So they're getting performances from players further down the depth chart. It's the guys at the top of the depth chart that are letting them down. And when you contrast that with what Colorado's getting from their top players, it is that much more glaring. Well, Pat, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me tonight. should be fascinating to see if they can pull off the rally and uh, say hi to the Gaveler clan for me. I will. The extended family, I'm sure, is extremely happy today. (laughs) Yes, thank you very much, Pat. I like me some bat flipping. I've never bat flipped myself because I've never, you know... In slow pitch, you don't really hit home runs. I don't. I just, you know, hit fly balls or singles. But it's a little disrespectful. However, I always dream of hitting like a a walk-off homer in a beer league tournament and just tossing my bat 20 feet in the air like Jose Bautista. That would be very, very cool in my opinion. However, in baseball, there is still a divide. And despite MLB's marketing to let the kids play, there is still some questions about the unwritten rules, and a lot of it has to do with the old guard versus the new guard. A lot of old people, I say old people, people in the media that have been covering baseball for a long time might have an issue with flamboyancy. And I understand the question of circumstance. Like, if you you shouldn't pimp a home run in the second inning of a 0-0 game. Bottom of the eighth, you're down 4-3 and you rip a two-run dinger. That's cool. Which brings us to yesterday. The Royals and White Sox. Bottom of the fourth, 0-0. White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson facing Royals pitcher Brad Kelly. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat, the ball goes flying, it is gone! 2-0 Sox! So picture this. He hits the ball, he takes his bat in his right hand, and he chucks it towards his own dugout. Looks at his dugout, tries to get them pumped up, they're on the board, they're up 2-0. His reaction not aimed at the Royals at all. Just a little bit of swag. But maybe the Royals saw the bat toss as the last straw for a beef that had been kind of simmering since last season. They are division rivals. Salvador Perez, who is out for the season this year for Kansas City, was miffed that Anderson cursed on two separate occasions after hitting home runs last year. Though it seemed to be water under the bridge when they shook hands after the second instance. 
Perez said to a, a local newspaper at the time, as soon as he scored, I was like, hey, bro, that was the second time. He did that in opening day, did the same thing, said a bad word. You don't even play a playoff game. You don't know about getting excited or not. He got to be in the playoffs to be excited like us. We got a World Series. We get excited like that. That's a game. That's a simple game. That's the second time. So I said something to him. So flashback to yesterday now. Anderson was at the plate in the sixth. And uh, the pitcher, same pitcher, same batter, plunked him in the butt. You're going to pimp me? I'm going to hit you. And the incident had the benches pour out onto the field. Not really much happened. And when everything seemed to have settled down, the managers started yelling at each other and they got tossed. And somehow Anderson got thrown out, even though he just got hit. And that's it. But take a listen to the calls from the broadcasters. Let's start with the White Sox. You'll notice a slightly different tone between them. And here come the benches. Fun in baseball is not allowed. We have to yell at each other because he flipped his bat because he hit a home run. Why don't you just get him out? That would be the idea. You understand that it's a very competitive game. Totally get it. That's the way it used to be in baseball, that you're going to get a hit when you do something like that. But you can also get him out. There's an easy way to take somebody and shrink their ego a little bit. You keep them off the base path. It's a tie game. The lead run is at first. Do better baseball. And how did the Royals react? But this is not the first time Tim Anderson has done that. Well, I mean, that, that was pretty flagrant, especially after he threw the bat, and then he, he yelled something, and it looked like it was it, it, towards Maldonado. I mean, you can't expect to, to just be flagrant and flaunt like that, you know, and show your opponent up without any repercussions. Well, Anderson's got to be accountable for some of his actions at some time. And I'm not sure that Keller did it on purpose, but, you know, especially with Alex getting drilled in the ribs, your best player earlier in the game. I'm not sure the pitcher did it on purpose. What? Of course he did. You hit someone in the butt, that's on purpose. If it's wild, it goes up and in sometimes, you just lost control. When you're trying to place a pitch to hit somebody, you do it in the rump because that's not going to hurt as much as getting it in the bean. But the Royals had an issue with it. I get it. Tit for tat. You hit a dinger off me, I'm going to hit you. Or how about this? Maybe I agree with the White Sox. Get him out because you're putting a guy on base. If you hit him, that means... They kind of got one up on you again. And the Royals announcer saying, oh, he was showing up the opponent. That's not what he's doing. If you view a guy getting excited as showing up the opponent, you're basically saying people are not allowed to be excited about their sport. Walk around the bases, take a light jog, look down, go back to the dugout. Thank you very much. That's stupid. Let's have some fun, please. Okay? And I totally love that Marcus Stroman, who's a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, and himself a bit of a fiery dude, is totally okay with it. I could care less if someone pimps a homer off me. Um, I gave it up at the end of the day, but I feel like showing emotion and passion is part of the game, and by doing so, you're able to play at your most elite level um, by doing so. Exactly. Unwritten rules this. A lot of baseball now, Latin players, they bring an extra flair to it. A lot of the people that cover baseball, they're old white guys. That's part of it. Josh McCown, a quarterback, 
longtime quarterback in the NFL on this. I get the unwritten rules, I guess. However, it seems super petty getting mad at a bat flip and in turn inflicting pain and retaliation. Try getting your face ripped off by a defensive end and watching him dance near you as a DB high steps into the end zone on a pick six. That sucks. When Jose Bautista did the bat flip, it was awesome. I have absolutely no problem with it. Maybe it's because I'm young. Or maybe it's because I like fun in my sports. If you score a big goal, yeah, celebrate. Now, I get the argument of this is April, and he's throwing his bat in the fourth inning of a 0-0 game. Or he's just trying to get his team fired up. Why not? Same thing with the storm surge with Carolina. Fans are paying to be entertained. That game is in Chicago. And if you're a fan there watching that, would you rather him just stroll around the bases or get a little fired up? I want to see him living his best life. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes. Yes.